This is Motor Mania with Damien Reed on the UAE's number one talk radio station, Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, good morning and welcome to Motor Mania. I'm Damien Reed. This is the only interactive car show on UAE Radio and we're going to give you motoring advice. We're talking about a whole lot of things that are happening in the world of cars and on the roads. We're going to be keeping you company all the way through until noon this morning. And I'm joined in the studio now by uh, fellow journalist Inta Shenjata of Motoring Middle East and Noel Ebden. And we're going to be talking uh, all sorts of things happening in the uh, over the past couple of weeks. Um, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. So we've um, we've got uh, Goodwood happening right now, which we're going to talk about a little later on. Some amazing stuff going on there. Um, let's get straight into it, Shan. Uh, this is something that I don't understand, but I'm sure you do. There's a, a Chevrolet Corvette. Um, Are you trying to make me understand and then explain this to you? Because I've been furiously Googling for the last two I don't minutes. even know what the words mean, non-fungible tokens. Tell me about this. So basically, <laughs> the Corvette Z06, which is 670 horsepower Super Corvette. That's the cool part, a Super Corvette. Basically, the fastest Corvette that comes out till the next one, because there's going to be even faster ones. They are not auctioning this car, Chevrolet. They're actually auctioning a non-fungible token. So for those of you who are trying to understand what that means furiously, um, a non-fungible token is basically a digital certificate of ownership. So anything that you have can be tokenized. You can say, I'm issuing a certificate that says whoever owns this owns the token. So, for example, you can take a photo of the Mona Lisa. You can print copies of the Mona Lisa off the internet, but there's only one Mona Lisa and there's only one person who owns it. So you own the token. Now that I've confused everybody, the auction is not for the car. It's Mm -hmm. for the token. And you get the car free. It's the other way around. I'm lost. I am lost. Noel, do you understand? Do, Do you get to use the car? You do get to use the car. You do get to uh, own the token. The most important part is the token. And given the current state of the cryptocurrency market, I would have questions about the timing of this Chevrolet, but good on them for jumping on. So one more cool point point about this. Um, Obviously, it's a very nice car. It comes in a color called mint green. It's designed by an artist called, I hope I'm saying this right, Sulo. And this color, which is obviously replicated on the picture token, is only for that car. It is not going to be used on any other Corvette Z06 ever made. Mm-hmm. So, awful yeah. lot of effort to get a single color car, isn't it? I'm still up there with the Pixies, Noel. I don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I can see, I can see how, where they're going with this, but um, yeah, it's all about ownership, isn't it? And proof of ownership. Um, and it will, they, this will become a thing in the car industry. It's just uh, it's early days at the moment. I'll tell so you what, good for getting into it. I'll tell mm. you what, let's talk about cars that have four wheels attached to the road. That's a good idea. And. Um, I've been having a blast lately in the uh, the Maserati MC20. Ooh. Now this is honestly, it's it's the prices are. I'm not sure the exact price is around about a million dirhams, which mm. which makes a whole lot of sense um, for for the market that it's in. But uh, the thing I love about it is that this is this is Maserati's sort of homage to the MC12. If you remember, especially back here at the Autodrome, we had the GT1 yep. racing yep. Um, in 2005, four and five and six, and uh, it raced there. And uh, the, they only made fifty of those. They competed in the world in, in the GT One Championship. They um, this is the car that, that, that is kind of pays homage to it. They have, Maserati hasn't done a sports car since then, since twenty twenty four. So so two thousand and four, and that this is the MC twenty. It's a three liter V six. Uh, it's not a hybrid. It's six hundred thirty horsepower, seven hundred thirty newton meters of torque. 0 to 100 kilometers an hour in two point nine seconds. Nought to two hundred in eight point eight seconds. 325 plus, so they say. I didn't go anywhere near trying that. Mm. But uh, but just a lovely car. The thing I love about it is it's a full carbon fibre tub. 
So it only weighs 1,500 kilo. Um, Rear-wheel drive, eight-speed auto, all that kind of thing. But uh, just, you know, it, to me, what I, what I found, I've never had so much interest in a car, people actually pulling up behind me at the lights and coming up while the lights are red to tap on the glass to say, love the car. Mm. I've never had that with any other car before. No. Did they try to sell you some NFTs? <laughs> they probably thought I was selling them. Yeah, um, absolutely. But but the thing I like about it is it doesn't have the huge wings and flares. It uses the, the It's the, very classy the era. looking. It, it does. Yeah. It's like a yeah. baby Enzo in some and ways. Yeah. Mm. You've hit the nail on the head. It's a classy looking car. The Ferrari is uh, is shall we say gaudy and racy, mm. wings and and lots of lots of you know two tone colours in it. This is this particular car black with orange stripes. So it, it, it did stand out a little bit, but it didn't have the doesn't have the big wings on it. Mm. It just uses the natural the uh, air of the. What size is it? I, I was looking at pictures of it. And I couldn't work out how big it was. Uh, I can't work out whether it's a like because the MC12 was a big car. It was a big yeah. long car. So smaller than the MC12, I guess. To put it in perspective, it because of its nearest competitor would be the Ferrari 296 GDB. Okay, so it's around yeah. about that size. Um, now, interestingly enough, they're both almost identical powertrains. Three liter twin turbo V six eight speed mid engine, not related in the slightest. Why would so, you go to all that effort of making two completely different engines? Because Ferrari broke away from the Stellantis empire and mm. and and they've they've gone their own way. So Maserati wouldn't get access have to that. They made a V six sound good. This one sounds good, but it's it, you've got the turbochargers spooling up. That's what I like about it. So uh, yeah, um, and the thing that I like about it, say perhaps over the Ferrari, is the fact that it's not hybrid, so it doesn't have that complexity, mm, mm. and also it's a lot lighter. And also as well, V sixes. Um, I think the car industry has been very lazy because V sixes can sound fantastic. Look at the old Alphas, for example. Oh, yeah. There's no reason why a V six can't sound as good as a V eight, but. Yeah. They just don't for some reason. Well, you listen and, to say the Jaguar, hopefully this sounds better. The Jaguar yeah. F-Pace V6, yeah, lovely true, sounding car. True, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it's good. So, uh, so yeah, so check it out on uh, Dubai Eyes uh, 103.8 FM uh, on Instagram, and uh, you'll you'll see me sort of thrashing around in it. Uh, I, <laughs> I do prefer it to the Ferrari because it's just – I like to sort of say it's like the thinking man's car. You know, mm. the, the the Ferrari is kind of a the the go to if you don't know what sort of supercar you want. I'll get a Ferrari. It's like if you know, it, it, it's same with sport with with motorsport. I'll go for the red team. Mm. You know, yeah, um, yeah. But if you know your if, choice, if you know your stuff, yeah. Get, yeah, get in the Maserati. That's but subtle, who, subtle yeah. way in, yeah. yeah. But it's also Maserati's quite nakedly transparent play to get into that market that the 296 GTP, the kind of people who are entry-level customers who don't want something too scary, too fast, but also brings them to the party. So yeah. that is Maserati's turning up at the party because they never really had a car. It's always been GT cars, convertibles, mm. cabrios, but they never had like a mid-level, mid-engine mm. car, have they? In the no, last 20 years. Um, so I've got a question for you, Noel. Mm. That, that, that's the Maserati MC20. Let's move on to things that are close to your, your neighbourhood. Motorcycles. Oh, good, good uh, I've got a co- uh, question here from Faraz, and he wants to know the expected price of an Indian um, that's uh, an, an Indian dark horse, tw- 2016, and he's done 75,000 kilometres. He Ooh. says it's got all the accessories. What do you know about that? Indian, not so much. They're um, they're not, they've never they've never quite broken that Harley mold um, that everyone seems to just automatically go for. But it's definitely a um, the kind of left field choice. And there's a lot of guys that don't want to go down the Harley route and have gone with Indian. Mm. Um, but I mean, price wise, oh, um, 
And what, what year was it again? 2016. 2016. Mm. I mean, bikes are a bit strange because they don't follow a natural uh, depreciation curve here. Yeah. They tend to kind of basically drop like a stone and then sit it around between twenty and 30000 for a used bike, um, depending on what it is. Um, but then, obviously, some of the Harleys and with the uh, the big Harleys with panniers and stuff, they, um, they, they sell for a fair bit more. So... Um, yeah, I mean, that's difficult to say. I mean, it depends on kilometres, condition, etc. But, yeah, 2017 model, so mm. what's that, five years old? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, th- 30s, in the 30s, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now, just quickly, while I was sticking with bikes, it's the Goodwood Festival Speed this weekend. It, is. it started uh, yesterday, it ends, uh, sorry, Thursday, it ends on uh, tomorrow afternoon, Goodwood House, which is a beautiful place, 4,900 hectares yep. in, in West Sussex. Um the hill climb, 1.86 kilometres is the, is the distance of the hill climb. It tracks all sorts of manufacturers. There are global events, global launches happening um, and uh, and other attractions. The supercar paddock is, is kicking off there. But um, the thing that really kicked me off that when I was watching it was uh, the two-wheel side, keeping with motorbikes, and, uh, and seeing the return of triple world 500cc champion Wayne Rainey get back on the bike for the first time since 1993. Um, and he's uh, because he had that that accident uh, that left him par- paralysed from the chest down. Now we just got uh, this little bit from Wayne from yesterday. Pretty incredible. Uh, you know, I think about it. It's been, I believe, 29 years since I've been on the track with Mick and Kevin, and certainly Kenny Roberts. So, yeah, it's a real thrill for me. Uh, I was pretty excited about it when I first took off. The bike was actually leaning too far to the one side, so when I took off. It, it shot across the track on me. So uh, I got to work with my team a little bit to try to keep me a little straighter when we start. But the track is, in my opinion, is perfect for this type of an event. I think it's great. Wayne Rainey on that bike, I'll tell you what, is just a, a very emotional moment. Uh, but there's so much more going on there as well. And uh, Noel, I believe there was a, a, a very significant new car that was heading up the hill that um, powered by a fuel that we may be using in the future. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, about hydrogen? Mm. Um, a lot of people poo-pooing it and saying no, there's you know it costs too much to produce, doesn't work, etc. But um, I drove a hydrogen car years ago um, at a Honda launch somewhere in somewhere in Japan, I think, mm. and um, and I thought at the time, well, actually, this is great, and uh, uh, I think it was yesterday. Now I'm going to try and pronounce this, but Viritex Apricol. That's the one. I think yeah, that's, is Apricale, that the right way yeah. of saying it? Yeah. Yep. They took that up the hill, um, and it is a uh, a hydrogen-powered hypercar, okay? So it's got uh, a lot of F1-inspired uh, tech in it and mm. absolutely stunning. We'll get it up on the uh, on the website so people can see pictures of it. I mean, this thing is, you know, just brilliant. There's only 25 yeah. of them that, yeah. that are going to be yeah. made. 25 in total. Um, and it, uh, yeah, it, it, it basically... It uses that technology that we've been all yeah. been talking about for ages, but nobody's actually done anything with. Um, so is this... Is this a step towards hydrogen? Who knows? Well, I mean, it's yeah, there's a big question mark. A lot of people are working on it, and mm. this is the, the the thing about Goodwood. It's like a it's like a laboratory now. Yep. People to, to to try and experiment things. Um, getting some text messages in too. Back to Anti to help us answer that question, Imtishan. Um, Jonathan said to simplify NFTs further, it's comparable to owning the title deed on the car. In those terms, you buy the title on the car, you get the car for free, and there are other benefits of the NFT, of the NFT but that's for another day. 
In that case, I thank you so much profusely for explaining what that is. <laughs> I'm still clear as mud on this, but thank you, Jonathan, for explaining it. Yeah. Um, so thank thank you for, for that, Jonathan. Also, another one here. Can you talk about the not-so-new Land Cruiser and how disappointing it is? The dealers are saying it's very popular, which after 14 years, um, they, they – yeah, okay. Uh, he said, I wanted a V8, room in the back seat, off-road capability, um, which might have uh, – uh-huh. Um, Okay, so a Toyota just putting a placeholder until everything goes electric is the short question to ah, probably short answer. I think you're trying to start the controversy here. Um, obviously, everybody wants a V8. I'd like it to fly, but, you know, it'll never happen. Given the current regulations around the world, uh, V6s are the way forward, and eventually it'll be hybrids and electrics, and that's just the way it's going to be. Land Cruiser is built around a philosophy that it's a car that gets you there and gets you home safe, and mm. Toyota will never, ever compromise that uh, it's not a fashion car. It's never that kind of car. It's meant to be solid and reliable. I think people were expecting it to be different in some way. Uh, it's a Land Cruiser and it has to drive in a certain way, which is kind of heavy and kind of solid and kind of reliable. So it's never going to be a Defender. Mm. Now, whether you think it should be a Defender is a different story. I think the Land Rover's product, I think, is excellent. The Defender is an excellent product. But the Land Cruiser is sold out and continues to sell because it will go the distance. To give you an idea. Average Land Cruisers are built in a factory to last 25 years mm. with a service life of a million kilometers. Now, that's just not a claim. I have a 1996 Land Cruiser, and those engines are designed to be rebuilt three times. So, basically, you can get a million kilometers out, and I just rebuilt the engine, and it's 25 years old, and it runs like a Swiss watch. Yeah. So, that's what these cars are built for. Whether you like them or not, that's entirely up to the individual person, the Nissan Patrol, and obviously, option, the Defender's excellent. But the Cruiser is a very strong here market fear for a reason oh absolutely absolutely i think that the the key thing about the land cruiser is there's probably more people who want it to stay the same than there are people who want it to change so it's a tough one right yeah so as much as if you want if you want a land cruiser updated then they probably go for another brand Mm. And you can't do it yourself uh, yeah. real that easily anymore. I mean, you can modify them for sure, but that's not what Land Cruisers are exactly, about. Exactly. They use them in, you know, the uh, Iceland mm. to do Arctic safaris. Out here, they will always be the safari car of choice. And I spoke to so many safari drivers back in the day. They tried everything. Mm. And the cruise is the only thing they can do four or five years of hard, hard abuse yep. with passengers exactly. every day. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, talk about rugged engineering, or maybe not, but I think so. Um the Ashcott Leyland, the bus, the bus that we see around here that, that transports people to work sites and that sort of thing. A family has bought one here for 25,000 dirhams and they've turned it into a mobile home. Right. And uh, their plan is to drive it all over Asia. So, um, and, and perhaps on to South America and maybe even further. Depends on how things go. Um, they is want to do the that big this one? year. Which bus are they talking about? This is the about? big one that we see on the roads, the, wow. the, the white, the white ones. Cool. Um, quite quite a feat to even uh, just take it on and convert it. But they've got the family on board. And this is a husband and wife team from Germany, Nina and Kai. Um, they were in the Dubai Eye studio earlier this week to talk about it. They're on the agenda with Georgia Tolley. Um, and they're talking about how they picked up the bus and how they're going to live with it. We search what, what are the best buses, what size, what can we convert and what can we repair on our trip ourselves. That's where we came up with an Ashok Leyland. It's a simple bus, nice engine, everything most of the things I can do and repair or find the mistake and everywhere, wherever we go, we find someone who can do it. That's where the Ashok Leyland came. We found a labor bus that was for sale for a good price in a good condition. Yeah, and we took it and in October we had it at home 
and starting converting it. My father has his own construction company in Germany. I grew up working with my hands and everything. I have a small carpentry shop here. We were lucky that we can con could convert everything next to the workshop as well. So we had all the tools, we have everything there. It went quite well. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was Kai's side of the story. But um, Nina also has her opinions on the car, on the vehicle as well. First, we're heading towards Iran. We have to ship the bus there, but it's a small distance. It will be shipped with a boat uh, to Iran, Bandara bus. And from there, we're um, starting the proper journey by bus, uh, driving through Pakistan, India, Nepal, Myanmar, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam. That's our first targets. We had a big old map at home. We put it on the table and we just said, where do we want to go? Where can we go easily? And how can we connect the countries with easy border crossings, avoiding countries that are too difficult? That was basically it. And we had a totally different plan before to what we are up now. Yeah, so Kai says that they still have one more challenge uh, that they've yet to solve on this uh, big journey. In the bus, we had some difficulties. Yes, especially now with the AC. We put one uh, split AC inside that is in the front of the bus and it's cooling nicely the front half of the bus, the kitchen and dining, the living area. But because it's the bunk beds and everything is making it quite small in the back, the airflow is not really going to the back. So we still have to solve that and looking now for people who can help us and give us an advice, maybe finding out how we can do that in a cost-effective way. Yeah, so that was that was Kai and Nina's story. Um, they're from Germany. They're living in Dubai. And uh, they bought the, the Ashcock Leyland bus, 25,000 dirhams, converted it, taking it on the adventure. Uh, boy, I mean... I would just love to do something like that. Absolutely. Right? I was just thinking that. Uh, I mean, uh, the engineering problems yeah. are so interesting because the bus is so long that the front half will be air conditioned, the back half. That's an amazing story. <laughs> but on the other hand, you think these are problems that can be solved because there are accepted ways to do overlanding, as this is called, you can buy a you know, Land Cruiser 70 or anything and start off with those. And those are pretty easy out of the box solutions. But to take a labor bus, first of all, I think it's a great idea to recycle something and not just mm. you know, give mm. it away. But also to be able to take something like that and just say, I did it in a bus. Yeah, as opposed to going in a fully kitted out off road, like oh, let's do it in a bus. Why not? Absolutely. What, what sort sense. of what sort of vehicle would if if you said okay, I'm going to do the big drive from Dubai to Europe or to South America? What would be the vehicle that you would oh, you would think of? Wow, that's a question. Um, I mean, I have a Land Cruiser, so I'm good to go. <laughs> I was just about to say the ideal thing is a Land Cruiser, surely. Um, but uh, oh, I mean, there's so many, isn't there? I mean, you could. Well, I think uh, some Land Rover guys told me once that the the vehicle they'd take across Africa would be the Discovery One. Yeah. Because it yeah. was the last car that they could fix without a computer. See, that's, that's a good point. And that's one of the reasons why I think uh, Kai and Nina are very clever. Mm. Because the Ashcott Leyland is a, is a vehicle that will be able to be repaired anywhere across Asia. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. They'll Mechanically have parts for simple, it. So yeah, Mechanically, simple. you can do it by the side of the road. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a very clever one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've thought about this, and I, th I thought, okay, if I was going to do something... Maserati MC12. <laughs> yeah, maybe not, maybe not. I'd pay to watch that. Actually, that would be a good piece, wouldn't I it? Think, I, I can't Ooh. see you getting very far. Can we do a Listen. safari version, put yeah. the lights on it, raise go it? On. Um, it's come down to me to probably two manufacturers that I would go with. Mm. Take away from the from the stereotypical ones you say, Land Rover, Toyota Land Cruiser, Nissan Patrol, uh, Volkswagen or Peugeot. 
Right. And I'd be going five or four. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I knew I'd be it was going. Five. I'd be going the older Peugeot because you you can go across Africa anywhere in those southern you've got, Europe. You, you've got Parts, uh, Dakar problem. Dakar delusions, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, but it would do fine. It would do fine. You, you'll would. get parts anywhere for it across Africa, across across Iran, Iraq. You know all those parts of the area. Um, and the other one, Volkswagen, because there are Volkswagens, particularly if you talk about the transporter. Mm. I mean, parts anywhere in the yep. world, if you break down in any country, you'll find a Volkswagen dealership somewhere. Yeah. That's be a beautiful to. segue. I've got a short story about a German off-road Volkswagen that I found in here. Um, so very mm. quickly, uh, this is about 12 years ago. I saw a beautiful camper van by the side of the road. Uh, it was dusty, but clearly somebody was living in it. I left a note on the door and the person called me back. And it turned out to be a German jazz trumpeter ah. who I wrote a story about this for a car magazine so back in the day. Um, he was basically traveling around the world in this van. He bought it, restored it with his dog. Uh, dog was dead, didn't do much restoration, but it's part of the process. <laughs> and he again came through uh, Bandar Abbas in Iran and actually it was quite a harrowing journey because he came through quite quickly, but the van took three or four days. This is the height of summer. The dog was in the van. Oh my God. And amazingly, the dog was fine, perfectly survived. And a dog did very well But he was quite harrowing And then he got stuck in the UAE Because he just ran out of money So he went through All the way through Europe Came to the UAE Worked as a real estate agent Did some jazz trumpeting yeah. And after a couple of years I'm still in touch with him actually He moved on to India Went through Southeast Asia Then married a lovely Indonesian woman And settled down there wow. Fantastic There you go That's 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 what you need to do to, That's what uh, it's all about Isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, which brings me on to another one, and there is uh, the constant issue of recalls that, are, that go on with uh, car manufacturers around the world. It's not unusual, but uh, there's a few that are happening right now. Um, Ford with the new Mustang Mach-E, the electric mm-hmm. vehicle, recalling 49,000 of those. Um, I haven't seen one here. Have you seen any? I don't think they're here yet. No. So uh, it's about it's about half their total production so far. Ford actually has had more recalls than any other manufacturer in the US, so it's something they need to keep an eye on, I think. Yeah, well, the problem lies with this one in terms of it, with its fast charging and repeated heavy acceleration. So that can cause the main contactors of the uh, of the battery to, to overheat, um, which results in a loss of power. And uh, but they believe that they can fix most of it with a software update. But uh, yeah, that one that one's um, impacting the new Mac E Mustang, which is also running up the hill at Goodwood this weekend, mm. very quickly. Uh, a little closer to home, one that would impact people here: Mercedes Benz are recalling one million of one million. Sound like Austin Powers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> One million older cars um, from a potential problem they found with the braking system, and uh, it's, a, it's an, an, an immediate recall worldwide due to this. Now, this came out from the Germany's Federal Transport Authority, said that it is effect- the affected cars are built between 2004 and 2015, and if you own a Mercedes-Benz built in that era, these are the models you need to keep an eye on. They are the SUVs, so the ML, the GL, and the R-Class. Uh, 993,407 to be precise. Now, what it is, it's corrosion on the brake booster, which in the worst case can lead to a connection between the brake pedal and the system being interrupted, which can result in the brakes to stop functioning. Um, And in rare cases of very severe corrosion, uh, it could cause mechanical damage to the booster where the connection between the pedal and the system would fail. Now, you know what that means. So... um, the company started with an immediate recall to contact the owners and uh, potentially affected owners to ask them to stop until the inspection takes place and uh, not drive their vehicles. So they're the main ones. Uh, Toyota is also recalling electric vehicles at the moment. Um, 2,700 of their vehicles, uh, EVs, the issue is caused by hub bolts which can loosen 
uh, with sharp turning and braking. So wheel hub bolts. Interesting. Wow. Um, the company's working to fix the problem, though no timing has been provided. And in the meantime, customers are asked to not drive their car and uh, and send them back. So uh, now off that also, because Subaru is uh, a 20% shareholder mm. of, uh, of Toyota, uh, they're also recalling 2,600 uh, Subarus, but that doesn't really affect our market. So that's where we are with uh, with wow. those ones. At the moment there's always there's recalls every day. Yep, it's not Constant. highly unusual, but they're uh, a little little public service announcement. <laughs> that, <laughs> that Mercedes one's quite they're quite old. Those cars. I mean, that's un, that's unusual for cars of that age. You know? uh, yeah, yeah, it is. It yeah. is a little bit. Um, anyway. But, uh, but yeah. either of you ever had a car that's been the subject of a recall? I'm just curious about the customer experience of it. I don't think I've ever owned a car new enough to have a recall. But uh, all Same my cars here. are so old. <laughs> Not great consumer advice. But yeah, no. if you have a recall, the process should be as follows. They will call you, tell you to come in, and they'll be very nice. They'll probably hope, hopefully offer you a courtesy car. Don't bet on it. And then within a day or two, the car is sorted. But if it's a recall, I see this all the time with people. Don't uh, take it lightly. If it's for your safety or it's something important, even if it's something not important, mm. get it done because the manufacturer is right there to help you. Mm. Yep, absolutely. So um, we'll be joined just in a moment by Whale, the tyre guy, and we're going to be talking uh, all things tyres. So stick around.
Number one talk radio station. This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. Yes, good morning. This is Motor Mania. We're with you through until noon, and we have a uh, guest in the studio. And uh, it, I'm pleased to welcome Whale Juma. Is that how you pronounce your name? Yes, yes, correct. AKA the tire guy on Instagram. Uh, a tire and off roading expert. Good morning. Good morning, Damien. Good Thanks, morning, for, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank um, you. It's a very important time of the year now when we're talking tires because the weather is hot. Summer is kicking in, has a big impact to uh, to, to how you operate your vehicle. Um, give us some of the tyre basics that you need for, for summer. Exactly. Um, first of all, uh, I recommend everyone to go on a daily basis, just have a quick look on their uh, tyre situation to see if there are uh, some minor cracks or uh, any loss on air pressure. And uh, just make sure the tires are not old enough, like usually we say two years or 40,000 kilometers because of the hot weather. And uh, just maintain the air pressure, maintain the tires are in good condition. They mm. are not dry. Mm. Is it, uh, how easy is it to, because it's one of the issues we have here is fake tires that are coming in or branded tires that are not by that manufacturer. How is it, how easy is it to spot a fake tire? Uh, see, for, regarding this one, the government have taken some strict measures to, uh, let's say, make sure the operation of those things are uh, going in the right direction. So whenever you want to go buy a tire, make sure it has the two uh, stickers on it. One is the GSO st- uh, sticker, which mm-hmm. is the Gulf Standard Organization. And second one is the ESMA RFID. So there you have a barcode on the ESMA RFID, which you can scan it with your phone camera and get all the uh, details of the tires. Where is it manufactured? What is the temperature, traction, date of manufacturing and all. So wow. if you okay. don't have those, okay. just avoid at any price. Yeah. And, and anyone can do this? With you, just anyone with a camera phone? I mean, anyone yeah. with a camera phone, yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. So then, even if the tire is branded like yeah. next brand, no? yeah. if it doesn't have those, avoid Interesting, because our advice is normally if it seems cheap, then it is, and it's not, you know, it's not, it's not genuine if you get branded names for less than half the price. But that's another way. Interesting. It doesn't have to necessarily be fake. It just have to be uh, not suitable to use in the hot weather condition, like the snow tires or winter tires that are sold in Europe mm. cannot be uh, sold and used in UAE. Yeah, unfortunately, some people still import them and try to promote them here at cheaper prices. Yeah. How, how do you spot tyres if they're past their use-by date? Because that, that's another issue, people keeping their tyres on for way too long. Uh, 
Yeah, so as per the regulation, you can keep a passenger car tires uh, on the shelf for two years. Like if it's manufactured in 2020, you can still use it or buy it up to uh, 2022. Uh, a truck tire can be uh, stored for 30 months. In general, people tend to purchase the most fresh uh, tire. They prefer to have it, you know, new because there are also some regulations from RTA that you need to have your tires uh, mm. less than five years old. Mm. So people tend to purchase uh, tires that are manufactured in the same year and they prefer it to keep it that way. But date is not the only uh, issue here. There are other uh, factors which, is, uh, which uh, you should keep in mind, like uh, what is the tread wear, what is the traction, what is the temperature rating on the tire? Is it the exact same size? Uh, is it the same uh, design? Is mm. it approved by the manufacturer or your, of your car or not? Yeah. Yeah, a few text messages coming in. Well, it might sound like a simple one, but uh, obviously people like to know, uh, how do you make your tyres last longer? Uh, basic things you can do, Damien, uh, which are first you need to maintain the air pressure in your tyre. Just go check it every 14 days. I know. People don't do that, but it's a necessity to be done. And then uh, try to do a rotation whenever it's possible, uh, every 15 or 20,000 kilometers. So rotation means moving the rear tires to the front, front tires to the rear, no, it's or like even diagonal. X, yeah. yeah, diagonal. Yeah. So you can do that and uh, whenever it's possible, because some of the newer car models, you cannot do that because the front size is different than the rear one. So... Make sure the Where tire can they sizes. find the tire mm. pressure vial on their cars if people are looking? Uh, now many, uh, or let's say most of the new cars have the uh, reader on the dashboard. So you can check what is the uh, actual tire pressure. Whenever it goes up uh, below certain level, it blinks on your dashboard. So, But for mm. older cars, where is the sticker? Because the manufacturers have a recommended yeah, tire exactly. pressure. Yeah, on, exactly. Uh, it depends on the manufacturer. Some of them put it on the driver door. Some of them put it on the uh, petrol. Uh, they really hide yeah. it, don't they? Some of them really hide yeah, it because they yeah. don't want you to be doing it. But yeah. again, that what difference does it make having a low or a high tire pressure it, to a car's in, life? It affects life. your tire life uh, drastically. So if you drive on low tire pressure, uh, first your fuel consumption increase. Second, the performance of your car is not the same. And third, I mean, you're going to damage your tires for sure. But what about overinflating it? But some people think they're clever. It, yeah. they, it's the same. You'll have a tread on the center. Tre- you'll have a wear on the center tread of your tire. And then traction is definitely not the same. Particularly here, it's, uh, it's a real danger because obviously when you overinflate tires, temperature goes up. And if you're running here now in summer, temperature goes even yeah. higher because the pressure increases. So. And- Less contact patch with the floor if the tire is overinflated, so you have less contact patch with the asphalt. So, yeah, braking is an issue, and the, the comfort of the car is not the same as well. Yeah, I know um, you're a big off road guy. A lot of people obviously modifying their cars and buying off road tires. How do you shop for a good off road tire? What is a good off road tire to you, characteristically? Uh, See, what is good for me does not have to be necessarily good for so everyone do as I else. say, not as I do. <laughs> so, um, but for the average person, so yeah, the Land Cruiser have a product. preference, especially those guys who buys, let's say, Nissan Patros, Y61, or uh, Jeep Wranglers, they need to always upgrade, go have the biggest tire uh, size available that they can fit. 
but it's not necessarily right you know it depends on the entire combinations that you do on your car so for example there are a couple of brands who offer off-road tires like all-terrain tires which is more suitable to be used on road and uh, as a weekend uh, warrior in in the desert so you need to know how you're going to use your car is it a toy so you can go for a very aggressive yeah. tire you drive it only on a weekend or is it a daily driver and you go a little bit on the desert uh, over the weekend so that's so all about yeah. your use case right? exactly yeah. got, got a question here from Hamad. Uh, he's asking about the uh, the markings on the side of the tire the, yeah. the letters and the numbers can you explain that so let's look at say um he hasn't put them here but let, let's just sort of say for a road tire uh, two three five slash forty five R twenty one. How can you read that? Yeah, what what let, does that mean? Let me give you an example. Two three five is the uh, section width of the tire. Mm-hmm. It's in millimeters, so it's yeah. two hundred thirty five millimeters. Uh, slash forty or forty five, for example, is the aspect ratio. So it's a percentage of two three five. Which is the sidewall so height? So basically, the, the forty-five is the height of the sidewall. Exactly, it's not forty-five two, three, five uh, centimeters or a millimeter. It's forty-five percent of two three five. Yeah, yeah. And then R. Many people say R is rim, which is wrong. R stands for radial tire. Yeah. And seventeen or eighteen or whatever after the R is the rim size. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, very important. And then, of course, you've got a speed rating on them as well. Definitely. You have load index and speed uh, symbol. So let's say 98 H. So 98, you have to go, uh, let's say, online, check what 98 is equal to. H is equal, for example, you can go up to 210 uh, Mm. kilometers per hour maximum in those tires. Because tires specifics are uh, varies a lot between one tire, one manufacturer to another one. Like you cannot uh, put the same tire which is fitted on a Yaris on a Porsche 911 and expect the tire to perform the same way. It doesn't work. Yeah, and, and of course too, you know, you've got to be careful with the manufacturer spec as well because you don't want to. Because in some cases you can actually void your insurance, can't you? If you have the e- wrong tire, exactly, exactly. And of course, the larger tire means it can also, if you put, a, if if you increase the size of the diameter of your wheel, then that changes your speedo as well. It changes your speedo. It changes shifting points. It changes uh, a lot of things. I mean, the cornering performance of your car. Some people tend to change tire size, but mm. one thing very important to keep in mind: whenever you change the size, if is if is it within five to ten percent difference it's fine to go with Mm. but you need to always keep in mind that the replacement you're going to has to be higher load index and a higher speed symbol don't go lower yeah yeah what what are some of the things that people should not do when it comes to their tires other than neglect them (laughs) but we're talking off air about under inflating and over inflating and various other things as well What, what, what are some of the tips that perhaps people are doing mistakenly in this region uh, see, I've seen a lot of people tend to buy uh, the cheapest tire available, mm. uh, which is wrong sometimes, you know, because tire is something you're forced to buy, not something you like to buy. So I, I personally prefer to invest a little bit more, spend a little bit more on the tire and make sure I'm buying the right tire for my safety and my family's safety. Keep in mind, the tire is the only contact between your car and uh, the floor. So you can have the best braking system, the best engine, the best of everything, but 
tires is not good, then everything else yeah. doesn't really matter. One of the things I see here, if you look back, if you look at say Europe, for example, or in colder colder climate countries, they have summer tires and winter tires, and it's pretty much a standard thing. Everyone's got a set of spare tires in the back of their garage for when the weather gets cold for snow. Here, you have sand tires for going out in the desert, yeah. and there's very specific tires which. I don't think work too well on tarmac. Is that a case that perhaps there, that we should be, rather than looking at a tyre that does everything, is it better to perhaps go, okay, these are the tyres I'll have on road for my SUV, and then when I go away into the desert, I have another set that I just use for the sand. Is, is, that, is that something that's possible here? Uh, it's possible, of course, but the market and the culture is a little bit different. Mm. Uh, I mean, in Europe, I, I've seen people who change the tyres and rims at home. But here people uh, don't prefer not to do it, you know. They'll just keep one set of tire, change mm. it every two years or 40,000 kilometer, whichever comes first, and use it for multi-purpose use. And generally people have more than one car. So uh, you'll have a 4 by 4 that you use in the winter for desert and dune bashing, and you'll have a, another car which you use for a daily driving uh, and all. Mm. Um and, and why do people, when when you go off road, you reduce the tire pressure? For, for those who've not been into the desert before, why, just explain the reason. So you you can have better flotation. Your tires doesn't dig too much, so you don't get stuck. So you tend to reduce the tire pressure, so you can have uh, more contact patch with the sand, and you can go without getting stuck. So it helps a lot. I mean, this is the uh, rule number one where, while going to desert. You need to deflate your tires up to a certain level for sure. Yeah, and rule number two is reinflate. So exactly when you <laughs> as go soon out. as you get on the road. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the the basics for this, for this for this summer that is check your tire pressure. Exactly. Yeah. Um, n- not to overinflate because the temperatures get very hot here, yeah, of course. Exactly. Just stick to the manufacturer recommendation. Every car has the manufacturer recommendation written somewhere, either on the door or uh, at the back uh, where the fuel tank is. Uh, just stick to it. Don't go above. Don't go lower. Stick to it. Yeah. I mean. and what's, what's a very easy way to tell if your tyre has worn beyond its wear limit? Just uh, looking every at Every tyre have uh, something called tread wear indicator which is like a small bridge on the tread of the tire. Uh, once your tread pattern have reached that level, immediately go and get them changed. Don't mm-hmm. drive on them anymore. And uh, do a visual inspection. Sometimes the, the pattern looks good, but the tire is four or five years old. So in this hot weather, you cannot really uh, keep on uh, using it. It's better to change them and uh, get a new, a fresh set of tires. Got a, got a question here too from uh, from Frank, and he's asked about nitrogen. What about putting nitrogen in tires? Nitrogen is more dense than air. So mm. in case of, uh, let's say, a puncture or a small uh, hole in your tires, nitrogen tend to get out of the tire uh, slower than normal air. Mm. It's also cooler uh, than normal air, so tend to extend the uh, tire life of tires. This is not really proven about extending the tire life, yeah. but they say uh, as long as you keep your tires cooler, as long as you get more life out of it. Yeah, uh, and very quickly, one from Stephen. He has asked about where can he get his wheels balanced because he has knock-on wire wheels. They obviously get thrown out of balance very easily. 
Yeah, unfortunately, this is another uh, issue uh, where I've seen it a lot where shops use like cheap kind of balance because it's expensive to, mm. to buy a proper one. Uh, I would recommend him to go to one of those professional shops without naming one so we don't say we're doing a commercial. <laughs> Just uh, go to one of those professional shops. Uh, um, many of them are on those petrol station, Enoch or... Uh, Brilliant. Well, look, Whale, thank you so much for, for joining us this morning. Um, where can we you. find you on social media? What's your... You can always find me on Instagram, uh, Wael Juma, W-A-E-L space J-O-U-M-A-A, and on TikTok, same. Brilliant. Thank, Thank you so you much, Wael Tae, the Wael Jayuma, the tyre guy. Um, some very, very important advice for, for, for this summer. <coughs> fix it or flip it. Bit of fix it or flip it. Uh, tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it is worth and uh, how does that work. Well, it's uh, it's easy. We need the details about your car, the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage, and uh, we'll have Matthew Davison, who is the head of pricing at Algo Driven, uh, here. He's on standby and uh, ready to get this one rolling. Good morning, Matthew. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Damien. Very good, man. Very good. Uh, we're talking tyres today and things that you should be looking out for in a car's tyre when buying secondhand. Um, what's uh, have, what, what's your experience? Have you had any experience with tyres? Uh, yeah, I was chatting with our producer, Zena, during the week. I, I change a lot of tyres for people. Actually, you know, bizarrely, I've never had a blowout myself. I've had plen- plenty of punches, you know, when you come back and your tyre's flat because there's a nail in it. Um, but I've been very fortunate that uh, I've never had a blowout. And I think... The secret to that is is staying on top of your tires, uh, particularly here in the Middle East. Um, the heat does affect them a lot more than other countries around the world. And that's why the uh, UAE government has a five-year cap on the age of tires here for that reason. Um, but, you know, if you want to prevent issues with tires, it's, it's checking them regularly. And, and, you know, you can do that yourself by just looking at the... Uh, the edges of the tires to see if there's any cracking and to obviously just examine if the tread is still um, above the wear markers. You have this little bit of rubber in between the grooves that if the tire does go down to that level, that's time to change the tire. And of course, we have great businesses in the UAE, um, you know, your auto pros and your fast tracks at the fuel stations that you can just whiz into, ask the team there just to have a quick look at the tires. Um, they won't charge you anything for that. Uh, and then you can get on your way. But um, no, for me, I, I mainly, I mainly run to the the the, the uh, distress of people. Uh, even this week, actually, on uh, Wednesday, uh, somebody um, I saw uh, parked um, on the side of the road had a had a blowout, and I helped them change their tire. Which, actually, if you've never done it before, is quite daunting. But um, it's actually not that difficult the key thing is just to make sure you're in a safe place yeah absolutely and as you say as you said a bit earlier too uh tires do have a lifespan and they do run out so uh that's a very important thing that we'll be uh we'll be talking about a little later on in the show um at this very important time of the year with car maintenance it's so crucial with with the hot temperatures uh but let's get straight on to the callers and we've got uh we've got jonathan on the line now jonathan you've got a uh 2014 Mercedes E63. Um, from what I hear, it's a it's a special order, silver frosted paint and ceramic brakes. Um, tell us more about that. Good morning, Jonathan. Morning, gents. Um, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's um, look, it's a bit of a beast. I, I can only assume when the first owner bought it, they pretty much ticked every option box. 
Um, and it's, it's great. It's, it's had all of its service history from Silver. I've got all the books from Silver, like 10 of them. Um, it's had a Rentec tune by Silver, so it's pushing 670 horsepower. I mean, it's an animal. Um, but I, I do think it might be time to say, you know what, you've, you've had a good run here and pass it on. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure it's a reluctant one because that is a beautiful car. Um, yeah, it, it is. And it, I mean, look, the condition, honestly, it's, I'm pretty sensitive over it, so it's in great condition, no scratches. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about letting it go. Yeah, I think the values, Matthew, you'd, you might agree with this one, are, are going up for the E63s because now that the 63 is becoming a, a turbocharged four-cylinder, the cachet of having the V8 has gone. But that might be offset, Matthew, by the price of petrol. What, what's your opinion? Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, when you look at this car and the way that you so passionately talk about it as well, I mean, is uh, reflective of why there's still demand for it, even though it's a, it's a bigger engine car. I mean... This, uh, the 5.5 liter turbocharged V8. I mean, it, you're living the dream if you, you want to experience power in a car. Um, and obviously, you've tuned it, and, and the guys at Silver Arrows, um, they do a great job and they're super passionate as well, which, you know, I, I love, I love um, businesses that actually really care about what they're doing, and, and they certainly do there. Uh, what, what did you say the kilometers were of this car? It's, it's about 120. Um, yeah, just just approaching 120k. So it's had a yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to to you know value it very precisely without without seeing it because it sounds like it's near enough perfect. But with with those kilometers uh, and factoring in really what you've done, my feeling is that car's probably worth around 130, 135,000. Um, it still is an eight-year-old car, and there is a conscious market out there uh, built around the high fuel prices at the moment but i think if you put it out there and you even give an ounce of of passion like you've done this morning to potential buyers uh, i i think that could be sold relatively quickly all right uh look appreciate it if i may just ask a follow-up question um you know with 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 with, with, with one out one comes in um i'm thinking about going to the opposite extreme with a, a y62 patrol um you know jacking up on some big tires and throwing a supercharger on it but one of the big questions is like, what's maintenance costs like on a, on a Nissan Patrol? Like, how much do you reckon a year it's going to cost me? Well, you've got the um, – I, I imagine you're going to go for the V8 anyway. You're not going to take the, yeah, the V6. Correct. So you're going to you're going to go all out. Um, so you're going to have higher um, consumables like oil, et cetera, because you've got a bigger engine. That's pretty self-explanatory. Um, I, I think, you know, you're going to modify the suspension and wheels and, and tires, et cetera. And no doubt you'll look at the brakes when you do that as well. So I think all of that's going to be fine for a few years because by, by the nature of what you're doing to the car. Um, but, I mean, your, your, your oil changes, if you, if you put in half-decent oil, you're probably looking around 350, 400 with the oil and the filter. Um, and, and then you've got your, your other consumables like your, um, your air filters, fuel filters, et cetera. But I think if you've done everything else first, for the next few years anyway, I think your maintenance is not going to be too bad. Uh, you're, you're probably going to be uh, circa a thousand um, for a service if you did um, all of the filters and, uh, on top of the oil. Um, so I think not too bad at all. I think where servicing starts to become expensive is when you've got to change those brake pads and discs or you've got suspension bushes, trailing arms, et cetera, to, to change. But generally speaking, you know, these cars, they're pretty bulletproof as long as you stay on top of that maintenance. 
Okay. All right. Great. Thank you, guys. Good luck with that one, Jonathan. And uh, we're going now straight to uh, to Jesse. Now, Jesse has an Audi TT convertible Roadster. Um, it sounds like a pretty pretty uh, nice little car, Jesse. Good morning. Good morning. So, tell us about this one. It's uh, very low kilometres, from what I see. Twenty seventeen model. And uh, are you looking to to sell, or are you looking to hang on and just get a value? Yeah. So, so, so that that that's what we want to know. What we should do. So, should we? Should we sell it now or should we wait um, further down the line? Because we are thinking of leaving Dubai in the next one year. So we don't know if we should sell it now. How much do you think we can get it for um, between now and then? Or should we wait until later? Mm. So, so Matthew, it's a 2017 model, uh, 32,500 kilometres, a yellow SL line, um, S, S line, I guess. Uh yeah, it it's a tricky one, Matthew, because at the moment you're getting really good value, aren't you? If, or for if it's for a seller, it's a seller's market. But then traditionally, summer is not the time to sell convertibles. So how does that play off against each other? Well, I can give you both scenarios. So um, good morning, and and that's a beautiful car, by the way. Particularly the Roadster with the top down with that car, it just looks fantastic. Um, you, you, they'll be prizing that away from your hands. Um, but with the low kilometers in this market right now, even though we're going into summer, I would definitely value that car up into the 160s, even like one, one early 170s. Um, but in terms of uh, when to sell it, you say you, you've got this year. Well, it, you know, the perfect time to sell this car is is late October. The weather's just cooling down then. People start to see convertibles on the road and picture themselves in those cars I don't see the market dramatically changing between now and then in terms of of general demand for cars. So, um, look, there's a couple of approaches. You can sell now and cash out and get the money that I said. You can look at selling it in October um, and probably get a little bit more. Or you can do the ultimate move, which is probably wait until February. So you, you've enjoyed it yourself and had that, that, the bulk of the winter, but you're still selling in the winter and it will still be desirable. So, you know, me, if I had that car, I'd be selling it probably mid-February next year. Ah, amazing, amazing feedback. Amazing. I, I, that, that is, it's really nice to hear that, you know, we, are, we all are convertible lovers. So <laughs> I will definitely hang on to it and, and enjoy the winter. So thank you. No problem, Jesse. All, all the best with that, and enjoy it while while you've still got it. Um, now we've got a, uh, a a text message in Matthew, and this comes from Mohit. It's uh, he has a two thousand five Honda MRV, two hundred thousand kilometres, and in good condition. Yeah, this this falls into the category of, of those cars that I mean, you look at it, seventeen years old now, um, and you'd think it wouldn't hold much value. But the, the, the issue is now nobody can get hold of these really um, cheap cars, what, what I call a runaround, basically. And th- the issue is if, if, if this is running well, people will not be able to find many other cars that are this old that are also running quite well. Uh, I would still um, say this has an absolute floor of around 12,000, 13,000. You may mm. even get 15,000 from it. Uh, because there isn't any inventory out there, and 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 this is this is a, an SUV um, that can carry your family around. Um, it'll certainly probably not be uh, great for long trips now because it would be a bit risky um, with that age. Uh, but I would say certainly around the Emirate that you live in, 
um, perfectly fine if it's running well and it's going to and it's going to sell anything between twelve up to fifteen k. Yep, yep. So uh, yeah, some some good advice there, uh, Mohit. I hope you're uh, you're listening in on that one. And uh, we've got Kyron on the phone. Um, good morning, Kyron. Morning. Good morning. Thanks for hanging on. You're looking for information on uh, US style trucks, the F one fifty, the Ram, that sort of thing. Uh, you're looking to yeah. to purchase something, are you? I was looking at, uh, um, I've been looking at trucks for a while, but I just noticed there's a lot of American spec trucks online, and I get told to stay away. So I'm sort of curious, why why should you stay away uh, for the Ram and the F-150? And then the other part of the question is the Toyota, because they don't sell the Tundra and the Tacoma here. You only get the North American spec. Should you also stay away from that? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I've just recently been in uh, in the F-150, um, and uh, and I had the Ram a couple of months ago, and I, I didn't have an issue with those. Very very good trucks. Um, the Tacoma, by the way, it's it's it is it's also made in the states. It's made it's made in the US and in uh, in Mexico. I think down in Tijuana, um, down there, it used to be made in in Fremont, California. But the the current model. I believe is made in uh, Texas, so yeah, all US. Um, Matthew, what, what's your experience on the uh, on the big US trucks? The, yeah, sorry, morning. The GC, the GC, the US specs versus the GCC spec trucks. That's my. Um, oh, I see. Okay, okay. so so the, the yeah, privately imported the US, US spec trucks versus yeah. the GCC ones. Yeah, Matthew. Yeah, morning. Um, obviously, I have a lot of experience in this. Um, Algo Driven's uh, got a division that inspects cars called Axel. Um, and I will tell you that literally nine out of 10 American specs cars that we inspect are uh, a previous total loss, an insurance total loss. Um, and I just want you to think of something very logical. There's a car in America right now. Somebody's going to move that car to the ports, pay shipping, move it all the way across the other side of the world to the Middle East, pay 5% import duty here. The point I guess you was, was trying to make is that... Uh these cars are these cars are coming in, Kyron, uh, uh, privately imported. Any and, kind of- oh, there we go. Sorry, I think we had a, a, an internet glitch then. Um, yeah. I don't know where you lost me, but I was just saying it's not logical that a car can come halfway around the world from America with all the shipping costs, duties, uh, you know, VAT and import costs, etc., and still be sold with a dealer making profit at less than a GCC car. So that tells you straight away that that most of them are problem cars. Um, and we know that from from our data and from our, our history of inspecting cars. There are a few exceptions, rarer cars. And you make a good point about the Tundra and the Tacoma, which aren't sold here. Now, if they're very new, um, they could be bought over to satisfy the demand for those cars because they're not sold here. So they are actually arguably the better option over a Ford F-150, a Dodge Ram, maybe a Chevy Silverado. Um, my advice is always steer well clear of non-GCC. If you don't have a headache at the front end, you'll have a headache selling it at the back end. Um, And I think the exceptions are, if it's a very new Tundra or Tacoma, uh, they may be the exceptions um, because of of the reasons I said. But yeah, I would always buy GCC. You know where that car's been from the first kilometer and it's much easier to resell. It makes a lot of sense. But if I were to look at a Tacoma, what sort of testing should I be doing on it? How would I how would I check if it's uh, written off before or if it's just been brought in to satisfy demand? Yeah, again, another great question. Um, I, I never understand when people can spend 10000 forget 200000 on a car, and not spend a few hundred dirhams doing a, an independent inspection. 
Don't buy that car without an independent inspection. Use um, a, a comprehensive test at Tajil. Use a company like Axel to go out there and, and inspect it for you. But do not buy a car without an independent inspection. It's as simple as that. A few hundred dirhams, you've got peace of mind then. Awesome. Appreciate your time, guys. Brilliant. I hope that helps you uh, helps you, Kyron. Uh, now we're going straight to Erwin. Uh, Erwin, um, sim- similar one. Erwin, you've got uh, a Ford F one fifty V eight five litre twenty fifteen model. Um, tell us a little bit more about this one. Oh yes. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Yes, uh, actually, uh, I'm having a Ford F one fifty. It's an XLT trim, uh, sports edition, double cab, and it's uh, uh, silver color. Agency maintained until 120,000 and uh, new shock absorber and yeah, very well maintained, good car. Okay, Matthew, the F-150s are rolling in uh, in, in discussion this morning, but this is the 2015, a little bit older, the XLT Sports with 157,000 kilometres. Yeah, it is a little bit older. Good morning. Um, maybe we can connect you to the previous caller. We might better make an actual deal online here. It's not the first time. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time. Yeah. No. And, and we've got a GCC car here. I mean, it's the XLT Sports. The kilometers are creeping up. I, I, I'm glad that you've done um, maintenance ahead of selling it. That's, that's a strong selling feature. I think the value is around 75,000 dirhams. Uh, right now, um, that's what I put it out on the market for. Um, but a great truck um, uh, and ticks a lot of boxes for sure, especially with those uh, tires changed in the last year as well. Correct, correct. Yeah, and and also I changed the the front shock absorber. Maybe I think it's around uh, six months ago. So yeah, it's a very well maintained car. Yeah, yeah. Pitch it at around seventy five thousand, and and I think you'll move it relatively relatively soon. Okay, okay. Thank you so much. Brilliant. All, all the best with that one, uh, Erwin. Uh, and now we're going to uh, to Stephen. Stephen, you've uh, again. We're going back to uh, we're, we're, we're alternating between cars and wing. Audi TT Quattro 2009. Tell us uh, about your Audi. Uh, yeah. I, good morning, guys. Good morning. It's, uh, actually, 2008, but okay. I picked it up in 2009. Second owner, and um, it's it's immaculate. It's, there's a little bit of damage on the front bonnet from a, a bump in uh, somebody who had a patrol who had a big toe cap up, toe bar on it and it reversed into me um but apart from that it's absolutely immaculate and the very low miles i'm just wondering after hearing you earlier with the tt that you had on as to what it would be worth and whether it's worth flipping yeah matthew what what, what do you think that it's a little bit older than one we talked about this earlier this morning but it's still uh, it's still the tt quattro still a uh, an, uh, an attractive car yeah, morning. Um, is it the V6? Because they, they did a 3.2 V6 back then. Correct. Yeah, okay, yeah. perfect. Um, look, these also have a kind of bottom of, of what they trade for. Uh, it's around 20000 Um I, I think that, that price for that car. Um, you, you, If I was you, sat with that car, I'd put it online for uh, twenty five. Um because you'll probably come down to that sort of 20, but you might end up getting 21, 22 if you do that. Um, you know, you can always start at 25 and then after one week reduce it down. I, I, my feeling is that that will trade for about, someone will buy that for around 20,000. Okay, cool. All right, thank you very much for your help. Cool. I hope that, uh, hope that helps you out. Uh, now I'm going to go quickly now to uh, Ed. Ed is on the line. Ed, you've got uh, a Ford Explorer Sport. Yeah, hi, how are you? Um, 
Okay, it's a uh, 2015, 174,000 kilometres uh, Explorer Sport. You, you, your line is a bit patchy there, uh, Ed, so we'll, we'll see what uh, Matthew's got to say on this one. Yeah, morning. Um, also, I unfortunately couldn't hear much uh, from that side. Um, look, the Sport is the top of the range uh, for people that, that know their Explorers. You have the base model through to the XLT, the Limited, and then the Sports, it's actually at the top. So when you hear people talk about um, sports, they are the top of the range cars. Um, it is a seven-year-old car, and, and I feel um, with those type of kilometers, you're probably looking around um, 75, um, maybe as low as 70. Um, but it, you, you must make sure that you, you push that sport element in the marketing and advertising that you do for it. Um, but you don't want it to get lost amongst the base models and the XLTs, which will be selling for um, 15, maybe even 20,000 below the base model will sell for. So, yeah, get it out there. Um, early 70s, it should move. It's a great seven-seat family car. I hope that helps you, Ed. Sorry, your, your line is a bit patchy there, but I hope you got that information. Now, we've got uh, a uh, text in. This is from Thuranga, Matthew, and it's a Toyota Yaris 2013 model. Uh, a high mileage, 260,000 kilometres. It's white and uh, would like to know the value. You know, these things in, in the market, you know, 20, 2013s, um, they don't seem to want to go much below 20,000. Um, I imagine this is 18 to 20,000 in the market, but um, I was looking at Yaris's a couple of days ago in the office and chatting to a friend of mine and saying that these cars just don't want to go below that that price point. So, yeah, get it on the, get it on the market, 18 to 20,000. There's a big demand for them. Even with uh, 260,000 kilometers, you still, yeah. you still get demand, yeah? Yeah, look look around, Damien, out there yeah. on the popular sites, and you'll see they just they just seem to like have that price, and and everyone's holding their ground because there's not the inventory on the the old the Yaris's. Um, but yeah, I think uh, the he'll potentially get beaten up a little bit by people calling wanting to lowball, etc. But. I think it'll ultimately trade hands for 18 to 20. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another another uh, texter is uh, Rajani, and uh, they've texted in saying, my uh, Jaguar F-Pace, it's a full option. It's 2017 model, full option, um, single owner with 94,000 kilometres. Uh, we're looking for an idea on the value of that one. Yeah, we talk often how um, we're both actually surprised um, uh, Jaguars, the way they depreciate and the way they are in this region, but... You know, the F-Pace is one of the, the F-Type and the F-Pace are one of the two uh, success stories that, that, that Jaguars had here. I kind of feel that, that that's around 140 at the moment in the market, um, maybe even down to 155. Um, but yeah, it is uh, due to the fact it is a sports SUV. Um, it is one of the, the better Jaguars. They, they, they struggled with quite, the other, quite a lot of the other models here. Um, you know, which is completely the opposite to how they fare back in, in the UK, as an example. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, now, I've got one here. This is, uh, uh, i tell you what, it's a very, a very unique buyer will be looking for this. It's, a, it's a, from Keith. He's uh, another text. Aston Martin V8 Vantage, but not just the normal V8 Vantage. It's the N430, of which they only built 400 of them. Uh, and I think from memory, that was to celebrate their Nürburgring 24-hour race. Um, so his is a, a 2015 model carbon fibre pack, registered here in 2016. It's only done 23,000 kilometres. Um, oh, and he's also said it's got a warranty that it's extendable until 2023. Yeah, uh, what a special car. Uh, and it certainly was um, to celebrate um, at the Nuremberg, uh, Nuremberg Ring. Um, 
Look, I think uh, that's one of those cars that we talk a lot about where, you know, you can feel the market more than anything because there's very specific buyers looking for that car. My feeling is a, around 400,000. I'd probably put that under a whisker under at 399. Um, but it's one of those cars that, is, especially if you're not distressed, you can even put a little bit higher because there's going to be a very specific person looking for that car. There won't be hardly any for sale in the UAE. Um, and then it's just a, between you and them to see who wins. Um, but yeah, it's a wonderful car. It really is. Yeah, very few came out. And the, the, the few that did come out, uh, a percentage of those went straight onto the racetrack. So the, the ones that are actually here in road trim, yeah, I think he's, he could virtually pick his owner with that one. Uh, be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, don't forget, give us a call, 04871 or you can text us 4001 or via the ARN Play app, as uh, Muhammad has done here. Muhammad has a 2018 Volkswagen Passat. Um, it's a SEL model, 75,439 kilometres to be exact, petrol, automatic, and it is black. I love that precision. You know, I think any, any, anybody that, that, that messages or calls up with that kind of precision, we should give additional time for. Um, yeah, Passat Sedan Workhorse. Um, did, you, did he mention the trim, SESEL? It's the SEL, or? yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so a higher spec trim. Um, yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna get still for that car. Um, I would say 45, maybe uh, might might be a little bit less, 43, for example. But um, someone's gonna buy that just for for zipping up and down the highway. Uh, it's going to be ideal. I tell you what, great value too, because uh, you know the the Passat is a car that went went under the radar here. The Arteon also has a good car that also slipped under the radar. Now, Volkswagen don't sell anything other than well, apart from the Golf GTI, it's an SUV com- car company now. So, you know, um, yeah, if you know what you're looking for, uh, the Passat is a good thing to get into. If you if you're looking for perhaps maybe an Audi A6 or A4, but you're not interested in the badge. Um, get yourself into the one of those. Now, this is another one too. It's a 2016 Mitsubishi Montero Sport Black GLS with 70,000 kilometres. Yeah, the Montero Sport here, it's, it's always a little bit of confusion and debate uh, amongst uh, my peers. We always kind of felt that the Montero was um, the replacement. It seemed like an organic replacement for the Pajero. Um, but, you know, they carried on for, for quite a few more years with the Pajero, although that has eventually stopped now. What year did you say it was? Uh, 2016. Okay, yeah. I mean, you're looking, I would say, um, late 50s for that car, like 57, 58. Mm. Um, but they, they are great. I, I find them a, a far more uh, contemporary, uh, superior build quality than the Pajero um, but that I think, just think it's a Pajero seems to be ingrained in see people's minds as the staple uh, good value car here. But yeah, um, I like the Montero Sport actually. It's kind of the go to car if you just want if you've landed in the country and want an SUV and you just get into one. That's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, uh, exactly. yeah, yeah. Uh, good morning, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. So you've got a uh, 2016 Ford Explorer. I understand. Correct. It's the limited edition, full options, uh, with third row powered seats, uh, done 78,000 kilometers, um, and still under warranty with, uh, with Altair. Okay. Okay. 2016, that's uh, still good to be under warranty, Matthew? Um, potentially not. Uh, it comes with a five-year warranty. Um, right. Ford do have an extendable up to seven years, 
So if it's extended, then there's a chance it'll just creep in. But that is a limited warranty. It is, it is extended, uh, under extended warranty. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, I didn't catch because the line went a little bit. I didn't catch two things. Um, the trim level uh, is it like limited XLT and also the kilometers. Limited uh, leather trim, uh, full options, and um, uh, it's seventy-eight thousand kilometers. Okay, that's a lovely car. I, I would pitch that um, just under 100. Literally, I'd put that car on the market at 99. Um, I think it'll sell for around 95. Um, but that's, that's a nice car, um, particularly with the leather interior. Right. Great. Thank you. Awesome, Joe. Hope that uh, hope that gives you some uh, some ideas. Uh, we're going to go now to uh, to Julia. Now, Julia, you've got a beautiful car here, 2013 uh, Porsche Carrera S. Um, tell me more about this one. Hi, morning, guys. Um, it is. It's in absolutely stunning condition. Um, I really, I don't really want to sell it. I'm I'm driving more my four wheel um, four by four now. So um, I thought actually. I've heard you talking before, and you said always um, wait for the cooler months to sell, you know, a soft top. So I was really just wondering how much it would actually be worth. Yeah, so Matthew, it's a, it's a 20, 2013. I understand you've got about 117,000 kilometres on the clock. Yeah, um, yeah it's very well taken care of. I'm the, I'm the sole owner. Yeah, and ARM are now looking after it after the agency. So, yeah, yeah Matthew, what do, what do you think about this one? Oh, I love it. Um, Alex <laughs> Renner and the team um, are also great. Um, yeah, indeed. Uh, they, they really are. An- another, another guy and team that are super passionate about what they do. Um, look, that car is so desirable at the moment. There, there isn't many um, convertibles out there. It's the S, so it's got the 3.8 uh, flat six. Um, look, I, I would say you're literally at uh, about 220, 225. Uh, potentially, uh, it would be ideal to sell it um, as we talked earlier, um, probably around October onwards. Um, yeah. But th- these these cars just seem to either uh, go up or, or, or don't lose any value. Um, and you know, it's still such a beautiful car, and the ability for you to tell that story that you got the car new as well—wonderful. You can talk about you know where you've serviced it, every kilometer that you've put on that car. Um, I'm talking myself into wanting to buy this car on air. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> wonderful. If you saw it, you'd love it. <laughs> yeah, I would. Um, is it white? It's red. It's red with black interior. It's stunning. Oh, it's stunning. Oh, nice combo. Uh, people always picture Ferraris in red, but I think Porsches are underrated in red. They look wonderful in red. It's a nice car. Okay, so about 220, 225. Yeah, yeah, as a minimum, by the way, as a minimum. Okay, thanks for the advice. Brilliant. I hope that helps you, Julia, and uh, and good luck with that one. Um, yeah, we've got a, another texter for you, Matthew. This is from Hassan. He has a 2019 Mini Countryman. Um, it's an S, all-wheel drive, 41,500 kilometres, petrol, automatic, and it's also red. Oh, these are lovely cars, super nice. Um, I always get shocked. I, I don't know if you've ever seen this, when... The Countryman, I know it's the, bigger than the Cooper, but when the Countryman is parked next to the old school minis, yeah. I mean, it looks 10 times bigger. It's, it's insane. Um, but this is, this is a great car. And, and, you know, this is around 100,000 dirhams in the market right now. Um, and it's not a lot around. They get snapped up 
um, there's a lot of people chasing these cars. We, uh, our company, Algo Driven, our inspection division, do the the inspections for BMWs when the lease cars come back to BMW. We do the independent inspections, mm. and the countrymen. I always speak to the team there, and they say this is already sold. This is already sold before it doesn't need to be advertised, marketed. They already have buyers for everyone that comes back off lease. Um, wonderful car. Um, you will sell it quickly at 100,000. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do like the countryman body style. It's, it's nice. Um, now now we're going to, uh, to Hamid. Uh, Hamid, you've got a, uh, a CLS 500 Mercedes-Benz. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Good morning. So it's a 2007 hi, model. Hi. Yeah, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, hello guys. Good morning. Thanks for the show. Okay, so I have this Mercedes Benz and it's driving really well. 2007 model, Japanese spec. Uh, I've done about uh, 173,000 kilometers on it. So it's got a uh, black interiors with wooden trim. The only reason I'm looking forward to putting it into the market is because of the gas price. Yeah. Yeah, it's otherwise it's an amazing car. I love it. It's not an unfamiliar story, uh, Hamid. Um, a, yeah. few, a few people are doing that. Um, <laughs> t- tell us quickly, Matthew. Now it's a Japanese spec, of course. Uh, Matthew, what are you, what are your thoughts? CL five hundred, CLS five hundred. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a four door, yes, Hamid. Four doors, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both, uh, sedan coupe. Yeah. Okay. So it's the, it's the CLS five hundred. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. And I wonder how many other people right now are actually out there that wouldn't have sold their cars and are now looking at putting them onto the market because of um, the fuel, because, uh, you know, this this is probably continued a lot longer than we thought it would do. Um, I think this car is mid-30s, around 34,000, 35,000 in the market right now. Um, Japanese specs are a little bit... Um, uh, you know, you need to you need to be wary and still get inspections on this if, if people are listening and thinking of looking at them. But they they tend to be uh, a lot less th- at risk of of previous accident damage than the US spec cars. Um, mm. uh, but yeah, I think I think this value is around mid thirties. How does how does that work? I'm going to hope that works well for you. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, uh, I got the car around uh, twenty two. Yeah, twenty two. So that should be fine for me. Okay, that sounds that sounds all right. good. Yeah. All the best with that one. We've got here another Mercedes. It's the CLA 250, 2015 model, white full options, 131,000 kilometres on the clock and uh, looking for how much it is worth. I'm hoping to get James on the line in a moment to tell us a little bit more. But in the meantime, yeah, it's a morning for Mercedes as well, Matthew. What was um, the kilometres? Uh, 131,000. Yeah, I love this car um, in its uh, CLA 45 form, um, but the 250 is still desirable. There's kind of like um, a little bit of a jump in pricing between um, the the 250 and the AMG. So it would be nice to, to if we do get him on the line, to, to know which one it is. I but think, I think we might have uh, James on the line now. Good morning, James. Hi, uh, yes, I'm here. Beautiful. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, so this is your CLA 250 is that, uh, that, that you're uh, looking to uh, to sell, perhaps, or get, get an idea and value? Yeah, it's not an AMG. It's just a regular CLA. Okay, so, yeah, 131,000K. Matthew gives you uh, a bit more of a, a picture. 
Yeah, the morning, and, and thank you so much for coming on the show, um, makes life a lot easier for us. I mean, the kilometers are creeping up, but these cars are in demand. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a Mercedes, um, and you know, it's got the, the, the smaller four-cylinder engine as well, which is super desirable in the market right now. I kind of feel that this car would sit right uh, around um, seventy-two to 75,000 in the market right now. Um, it, it, it certainly would uh, not sell for, for much below 70. And I think you should hold your ground um, unless you, you really need to move it quite quickly because there isn't huge amounts on the market. Um, and there will be some of the uh, 45s kicking around as well, um, which will be a lot more expensive than your car. So how, how does that sound, James? We might have lost James there. Um, I think he's either run off excited, <laughs> he's going to make that much money, or he's like, I don't want to listen to these guys anymore. That's not what I had in mind. Phone goes down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that's, uh, I hope that's uh, helped you out, James, um, with that one. I'm going to go straight to Santosh now. Santosh, you've got a Prado, that's right? Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So it's a Prado VXI, and uh, it's just out of dealer warranty, or it's still in warranty? In, my, in fact, my question was, I'm interested in buying a VXI which is either just out of warranty or it's in the last five, six months of warranty so that I'm sure that the, the, the car has been taken care of. And my question was, what is the expected price of such a car? Well, you're, you're buying one of the most popular cars and the, the most desirable cars. I mean, you've got a couple of trim levels and a couple of engine options. You've got the 4-litre V6 and the, the smaller 2.7 four-cylinder. And then you've got the the GXR um, and then the VXR trims um, and then the, the, the sort of mid trim, the TXI, et cetera. So look, let, let's just say you went all out and, and you wanted the, the four liter VXR. Um, you'd be needing a 2018 if you want uh, to tick your boxes of still being in warranty. But you know what? They're still selling for between 140 and 145. Um, so if you do want that top spec with a bigger engine, if you went down um, to the smaller four-cylinder engine and maybe uh, a GXR, you'd be more around for 2018, around 120, maybe even 115. Um, but they are holding their value a lot. Can I ask another question? Um, sure. I just located a car at 125,000, which has done 90,000 kilometers and just out of warranty, a 2017 model, and seems to okay. be in excellent condition. So if it is in excellent condition as per the test report, do you think it's a good price? Is it, is it the VXR the, uh, and the V6? It's the VXR. Yeah, and, and the V6, right. Okay, so the pricing sounds around about right for it. Um, if it's just out of warranty, I would recommend getting an independent car inspection on it, just so you've got some visibility. I think there's nothing worse than when, when you buy a car and then um, either in the first few weeks or certainly the first month, you end up having some unexpected expenditure, either, you know, maybe something uh, related to, you know, brakes, consumables or, or tires or even worse, you know, component fails like um, something relating to the engine gearbox or AC. So uh, at, at that value of car, I certainly would um, recommend an independent car inspection. Sure. Thank you very much. And uh, I would recommend that you are the best person for that job. So thank you very much. Thanks for the advice. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks very much, Santosh, and uh, and I hope that uh, that that's uh, some good advice for you. Um, now we're going now to Mojir. Mojir, you have a uh, uh, Alexis. Uh, sorry, Land Cruiser LC two hundred. Um, it's the five point seven liter V eight GXR GCC specs. You're ticking all the boxes here. One hundred two thousand kilometers. Tell us more about this one. 
So, uh, yeah, I just bought it last year and I run between Dubai and Sharjah on a daily basis. So, obviously, the gas price is killing me right now. Uh, so, I'm just uh, trying to feel the market if it's uh, better to uh, sell it now or, or hold on to it. I love the car. It's been great. Uh, but, yeah, just trying to trying to get a feeling in the market to see whether it's a, it's a good time to uh, tr- uh, trade it off uh, before the gas prices go higher. Uh, and, and, and the value goes lower in the future. Yeah, Matthew, 2016, 102,000 and a half kilometres on this one. And it's, but is the, the V8, 5.7 litre, GXR? GXR, yeah. Um, these, you, you need to make sure that um, you get out there at a competitive price because there's a lot of uh, facelifted cars on the market. So they take those 2015, 16 cars and then they put the new uh, facelift on uh, the 400 facelift um, where this is the L300 model. Um, the new one's called the, the 400 series. Uh, I, I think it's it's around 150,000 in the market right now, though, that with those kilometers, um, you may even be able to try a little bit more. Um, this is one of those cars that that has um, another engine, the four liter V6 as well. Um, I, I, despite the higher fuel costs, I'd still want the bigger engine because I just feel that when you've got a car of this size and weight, uh, power and, and certainly torque is everything. Um, but yeah, try it, try it above, uh, just above 150 um, and uh, see how you get on. All right. That sounds good. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Brilliant. Thank you very much, uh, Mujir. Um, and uh, also, uh, uh, hang on, we've got a, a quick text, Matthew, and it's uh, a 2004 BMW M3, um, SMG gearbox, uh, agency maintained, and 156,000 kilometres. Uh, I think that's the E46 model from memory, and that's from uh, from Adam. Yeah, it is. And, and certainly another car where you're not going to find lots of these on the market right now. Um, it, it, it's solely a lot of this um, is based on the condition because there will be hardly any out there. And, and the people looking for these cars will really um, care a lot about the condition. If it's really looked after, it's got its service records, it's maintained and it's in great condition. These cars can fetch anything up to 170, 180. Mm. Um, I've seen them as low as 80,000 because the condition's been been poor so i mean um sorry to give you such a massive range but on a car like this it's so critical and you'll know this as well damien Mm. the 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 way this car's been looked after the condition of this car is everything because of its absolutely and and regular maintenance especially on that transmission the smg box if it's regularly maintained because that's probably the only weak link in that model that particular model um it's it's got a bit of a, a an iffy name but if it's looked after it should be okay yeah and a wonderful car arguably one of the the, the more prettier shapes as well oh it's beautiful isn't it yeah uh now going to mateen mateen is on the line good morning mateen you've got an audi a7 yep i do Great. So it's the three liter V six S line. What what more can you tell me about it? Uh, it's been uh, it's been the love of my life for the <laughs> past two years. I really love this car, but uh, you know it's a two, 2014 and uh, it's eight years old now. So I'm just it's never given me any trouble. But you know I'm just kind of yeah. thinking if I do put it on, a sh- you know, sh- what kind of price should I be looking for or you know, what does the expert say? Should I just hold on yeah. to it? Because it's just trouble-free at the moment. 
Sure. And I love the shape. It hasn't changed much. You know, it's still a striking car when it, you yep. know, when when it's all clean and everything. Yeah. So 130,000 kilometers, Matthew. What what do you think about this? This three liter V6, 20, 2014 S line A7. Oh, it sounds it sounds like we're prying it away from you. I feel <laughs> giving you any Sorry, advice. Say that again. <laughs> but you know, this car is a lovely car. Um, that engine. Um, that six-cylinder engine, but you know, I think realistically the value is is early 60s, between 60, 62, okay. something. Um, you know, uh, but what can you what can you get that looks that good and drives that well for the money? That's the question. Where where do you go next? What's mm. your next? That's that's where I'm kind of uh, you know stuck at. That you know, I'm still I'm still happy with this car. I don't see anything. Is there anything you would advise, you know, people like me who are in this kind I mean, of dilemma? If you're looking for sort of the four-door coupe style of thing, I mean, you can look at the CLS Mercedes. Um, the, okay. You can look at maybe the, the BMW 6 Series, that sort of thing. Uh, if you like that style of shape, yeah, that, 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 that is an option. Okay, okay. Brilliant. And they'll fit a golf bag, yeah? Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, they're all competitors, so they're all sort of very similar in, in, uh, in size and spec, so you should be okay on that front. Awesome. I hope that helps, Mateen. Now, Matthew, quickly, we're going into uh, we're going into the sixty seconds. So, uh, I hope you've uh, you've had a week now to uh, prepare for this one, or two weeks, in fact. Well, I want I want you to be like that Virgin Mobile advert where the guy takes a big deep <laughs> breath and speaks at like insanely fast speeds. Um, if you can if you can do that, I think we've got a winning formula. Right. Well, let's let's give it a shot. Let's go. Okay. Uh, Porsche 911 Carrera 2 S model 2,775 K. Oh, again, another beauty. Uh, probably 130, 135. 2019 Land Rover Range Rover 50,000 kilometres white. Uh, it depends on the trim, but if I went down the middle around 350. 2017 Mitsubishi Pajero GLS 33,000 K petrol automatic grey. Oh, still, still doing big money. Uh, 54, 55. 2021 Infinity QX80 Lux Century Proactive 14,000 K. Oh, huge monster. Uh, 270, 280. Uh, 2019 Mini Countryman All Wheel Drive 41,500 kilometres petrol automatic. Uh, 100K, 100,000. 2011 Honda Civic Grey 213,000 K. Still getting great money, 18,000, 19,000. 2020 Honda HRV Silver Mid Options 34,000 K. But the, the other end, more like uh, late 70, 78 to 80. 29. Oh, there you go. Uh, that's oh. seven, Matthew. That's seven. Not bad. Not bad at all. We've, we've done all right today. <laughs> yeah, it was a good show. We had some good, great callers as well. So I just want to say I really appreciate when people call in because – it just makes the show from my side and your side so much easier. Yeah, it's, it's been, a, been a busy morning on the phones. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, you've, got, uh, you've got a busy couple of weeks coming up or how are things playing out? Yeah, um, I'm heading back to the UK uh, early part of July um, for a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, getting uh, back out to some cooler weather. So I'm um, hoping to see what's going on in, in the car scene in the UK as well. Brilliant. Well, all the best with that. And uh, we'll see you back here in July. And uh, that just about brings us to the end of uh, another Motoring Mania. Noel, thanks so much no problem. for joining us. Thank see you, you next so much. time.